words of our Lord. When Jesus had spoken these words, there's some homework for us. Go back and find out what those words were. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Pay attention to the possessives in this as well. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know that in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may, these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The words of our Lord. Let's pray together. Lord God, our Father, our Creator, our Sustainer, the Sovereign One, over all. 
We thank you for the preservation of your word. Thank you that we can read words of our Savior, a prayer of our Savior. God, teach us to to be more like you. Teach us to be loving like you are. And God, we just do ask that you would just continue to support us and continue to guard us. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. 504 years ago on this very day, October 31st, a Roman Catholic priest, monk, he was a university professor, he was a professor of Bible at uh, Wittenberg University. He tacked a set of questions, a single sheet of paper, up on the bulletin board at Castle Church. Uh, Their bulletin board happened to be the door. People always say, well, Martin Luther nailed these things on the door like it was some kind of just arrogant vandalism. No, it was just a bulletin board, and he tacked them on. It was a notice uh, of things, of questions, of comments, and it was intended strictly for internal discussion among the other monks. Um, You know, PCBC exists, and other churches as well, because of giants, giants in our past that we just stand on their shoulders. These guys have seen and hammered out truths that, you know, were tough, and they've done it, and now we appear smart and far forward-looking because we stand on their shoulders and we can see further because they've come before us. Um, these giants, they'd hammered out the Trinity. You know, what, is, what does that mean? You know, what does the Bible say? Uh, the Trinity, the human and divine nature of Christ, salvation, faith and works, all these things that we... We almost take for granted because we've heard them so much, but we're standing on the shoulders of giants. And uh, some of these, there's Augustine, Polycarp, John Wycliffe, Jan Hus, Martin Luther, Jonathan Edwards, Spurgeon. There's just zillions of these giants. And um, today we're going to look at Martin Luther and the Reformation and how it relates to the church today. That's important. It's not just history. I love history and I get turned loose talking about history. I have to be careful because I just do. Um, So let's pray first. Lord, I I thank you for uh, this day. This is a worship service, Lord. I pray that both in the music that you would be honored and glorified and worshiped and in, in proclaiming of your word and truth, Lord, that you would be honored and worshiped in that as well. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to speak clearly and not get in the way of truth. Um, And also, Lord, I want to lift up Dan as he's speaking up in Rockaway. I just pray that you would bless him and and, uh, help him to be a blessing to the people there. We ask this in your mighty name. Amen. Okay, why on Halloween? Why would Martin Luther tack these things up on Halloween? That's a goofy thing. Um, one reason, 504 years ago, Halloween was on a Saturday. Okay, just, just was. Um, the day after Halloween, November 1st, is All Saints Day. It was a holy day in the church. And not only that, but there was sort of this traveling relic show. You know, bones and pieces of wood and just relics from uh, the early church. And it was going to be at Castle Church. And Martin Luther knew that there would be a big crowd there. So he, 
He'd been wrestling with a lot of things, and he just thought, okay, now's the time. And he wrote these out, handwritten, is written in Latin. Okay, it was not intended for the common people. It was intended for the insiders in the church to sit down and discuss some of these, these difficult things. Um, and today, Nate, next slide. I've got a few slides. I'm gonna, it's kind of an experiment, but I think it's uh, good. Instead of me just reading things, I thought it kind of reinforces me reading. We're going to look at the church in four periods of history, just real briefly, okay? Uh, first of all, the, the church in the New Testament. What, how did that get started? What was it like? What were the instructions for that church? And then the church before the Reformation, uh, just right before, you know, this is the Catholic church that was the church. Catholic, the word Catholic means universal. So they felt they were, they were the church, period. Um, and then we'll take a look at the church after the Reformation, after not just Martin Luther, but a lot of others that, that came in and influenced it. The Reformation took about 100 years, really, um, to, to hammer out a lot of things that needed to be straightened out. And then we'll look at the church today. What's it look like? How does it relate to the things that were creeping in before. Um, so first of all, this, this New Testament church, a good checklist for what that looked like was um, Acts, Acts 2.42. Uh, just one verse I'm going to look at. It looks like a checklist. The church had just gotten started. It was right after Pentecost. Peter preached to the crowds, and there were thousands, thousands saved. And Acts 2.42 says, And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, this is not just they were kind of hanging out with and reading about, but they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread or communion, and to prayer. It's a good checklist for us as well. Make sure that we're on track and as we're we're not wandering off into too many potlucks and, and just, you know, things get out of balance. Um, this, this New Testament church, it was a local church. Um, each town kind of had their own church. There were, um, each had their strengths and weaknesses. I know Dan's come back when, you know, I mentioned the New Testament church. He goes, oh, you mean like Corinth? You know, these, some of these churches were kind of messed up, but... Uh, Paul's writings, the, writing, the teachings of the apostles, were to instruct and to correct these churches. Um, they had local leadership. Generally, there were just a few elders that sort of managed each church. And they were held together by the apostles that came through visiting or through their writings. Um, and again, as I said, most of the New Testament involves instructions and corrections to these young churches. It's... He was helping them be the churches they needed to be. Um, and then, of all things, they, were, they struggled against Rome where Rome was persecuting them. But then in 1312, the Roman emperor, Constantine, converted to Christianity and he made Christianity the official religion of the empire. So it's this mixed blessing where all of a sudden changed. Now they're persecuting others. Um, and 
the center of this new church went to Rome. The bishop of Rome, the leader of the church in Rome, became the first pope. And things began to change. Rome was really good at organization. And the early church, that early Catholic church, was very good at organization as well. And let me, let me read Galatians 1, 6 to 9. <clears throat> this was written by Paul right after his first missionary journey, and he, was, he started some churches, and then he found out later they were starting to drift off. Uh, this is the church. Galatia is a region. There was Lystra, Iconium, Derbe, um, some others that he started. And verse 6 of Galatians 1 says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. The church just had this tendency to wander off if it wasn't kept, kept on Scripture. Um, he talks about for a different gospel, which is not really another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we... Or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what you have, we have preached to you. He is to be accursed. And as we have said before, <clears throat> so I say now again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is accursed. So there was concern about error creeping into the church, and it, it happened. Now, if we look at the church before the Reformation. This had a... I mean, we're talking about a, about a thousand years here. A lot of time for error to creep in. Um, the church became involved in every aspect of people's lives, from birth, clear to death, and even in the afterlife. Um, they were more powerful than governments, kings, princes. They controlled everything. Uh, the kings had to bow to the church. Um, and, you know, people saw inconsistencies and corruption and stuff in these leaders, in their local priests, in higher authorities. They saw this, and they kind of understood it, but there's nothing they could do. Um, the church needed, I'm sorry, people needed the church in order to get to heaven. The church preyed on people's fears of hell. You do what we say, or you're excommunicated. Excommunicated says that you had a a differing with the teachings of the church, and you would, if the person that was excommunicated, it was a kind way of saying, you're going to hell. And um, not only that, but in many cases, if somebody was excommunicated, it was the case of uh, Luther, uh, there's open season on him. If somebody sees him, they can kill him. He's outside of the church. He's a heretic. And um, so... People needed the church to get to heaven. Uh, and when you went to church, you went to a cathedral, these big, big cathedrals, and you stood up. You stood up and you kind of looked at the stained glass windows. You looked at the ceiling. Uh, there might be a choir, you know, a choir of monks singing in Latin. You didn't understand a word they said. Um, the rituals were in Latin. You didn't understand it. You just stood there and... Took it. Um, you never even saw, much less touched, a Bible. And if somehow you happened to see the Bible, you wouldn't understand it because it was in Latin. Um, 
So you were completely dependent on the church and the local priests in particular to explain the Bible to you. And often these local churches, these local um, priests, were not that well informed and taught. It's said that uh, William Tyndale, when he was translating the Bible into English, he got so disgusted with his local village priest, he goes, by the time I'm finished, the local plowboy will, ha- will know more scripture than you do. Um, that's the intent. You've got to spread the uh, understanding of scripture. And at that time, the church's authority, their source of what is true, they you know, referred to it as a three-legged stool. <clears throat> it was scripture, it was church tradition, and it was um, the Pope. The Pope said something, it was true. <clears throat> and so, and these often conflicted. Um, and so what, Lu- what Luther was mainly wanting to talk about on the day after Halloween, um, whether he wrote out in these 95 theses, these 95 <clears throat> um, statements, questions, his main concern was indulgences. I'd have heard this. The indulgence was something the church had kind of figured out that Jesus had generated so many merits. Merits are like rewards from good works. The saints had generated so many merits that there was excess, kind of like in a bank, and the Pope could give these out to people that needed them to get out of purgatory early. And you had a charter, you had a a document, and these documents were for sale. So if you needed to get out of purgatory quicker, you bought one of these documents, if you could. And this was Martin Luther's main complaint. He goes, the church is way off on this. And... um, problem is indulgences are still in the Catholic Church. They don't sell them, but you earn them. There's a set of good works. There's a prayers that are recited. Sometimes there's a, a pilgrimage to a holy site or something, but you can earn um, indulgences. And these indulgences, they were used to raise money for uh, St. Peter's Basilica. Monstrous thing in the Vatican. My friend Lad got to see it, but I haven't seen it. Um, he was going to show me slides, too. But um, it was to fund St. Peter's Basilica, and this really um, got Luther mad. Okay, um, Nate, next one. These 95 theses, I just listed a few, a sampling of a few. You can, you can go to the Internet and just look up 95 theses, and you'll see them in English if you like. Um, and it's good to just stop, read through some of it. This is what kicked off the, uh, the Reformation. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say the first two, but one and number one. Um, if you look at that, when our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, said, Repent, Matthew 4.17, He willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. This cannot be understood as referring to the sacrament of penance, that is, confession and satisfaction as administered by the clergy. What he's saying is, let's talk about this. He's saying, this is a fundamental thing in Catholicism, is the confession. And he's going, this, this really isn't what Jesus was talking about here. So he's, he's, he's this very blunt guy. 
and um, later, these later two, he's quoting what a lot of laymen are saying based on their understanding of what the church is teaching. These are logical outcomes of it. Um, the first one essentially says, well, if the Pope has power to get people out of purgatory, why doesn't he just do it? Instead, he's selling it to make money. He's taking money um, from the poor. The second one, he's saying the Pope is incredibly rich. This reference to the richest uh, crisis, this is a mythological king that was just loaded with gold. He's essentially saying, you know, Pope is richer than God. And if he's so rich, why doesn't he just build his own basilica and not take money from these poor peasants thinking they're getting out of, out of purgatory? So he just, it was a sharp stick in the eye of the, the church. But he intended it to be an internal discussion. Um, however, within days of him posting this on the door, it got translated into German against his will, or, or not against his knowledge, without his permission, and printed on the printing press and distributed to the people. And they're kind of going, yeah, yeah, you know, and they're, they're getting fired up. And so this thing got started a little bit faster than he would have chosen. Um, one thing that, that fired the, the, the Reformation was the printing press. Luther and these others, uh, leaders of the Reformation, they wrote voraciously. They wrote pamphlets and pamphlets and pamphlets and books. And they could be printed cheaply and sent out to the masses. So this, this news spread all over. And people in um, Ulrich Zwingli, uh, John, John Calvin, John Knox, these guys were reading each other's pamphlets and commenting on them and sending them out again. And so it was, um, the printing press fueled the, Ref the Reformation. Um, you know, after it was printed in German and distributed, within a month it was up in London, translated into English and printed in English. It was sent to Spain, it was sent to France, and it was being printed in the language of the people. And finally, this is, this is after four years, okay, Luther started out just worried about indulgences, but he started also going, oh yeah, well what about this, and what about this, and others would bring up things. And so his, the topics were, were expanding. And after four years, he was arrested and... Um, put on trial. It's called the Diet of Worms. Okay, next one, uh, Nate. Diet of Worms. This is not a nutritional thing or, or, or something. This, a diet just means an assembly or a court, um, a council. And Worms is a town in Germany. So they had a council in, the, in a town in Germany. And he was on trial, and they were hammering him for all these things. They had all of his pamphlets spread out on a table. And he was given an opportunity to recant. They said, just say you don't believe that anymore and you'll be fine. What do you say? And he asked for a, a day to just think about it, pray about it. And so he did step back, prayed about it, and he came out and he said these words here. I think I wanted to put them down because it's likely we may find ourselves sometime in the, the near or distant future 
where we're being asked to recant our beliefs. And it, you know, it suddenly becomes very relevant. What did this one man do? And um, you know, this is way, way bigger than, than masks and mandates and vaccines and such. This, this, there may be some, some biblical things you're being asked to recant. Uh, I can see it coming. But let's, let's read that. This is Martin Luther after he had his day of prayer and um, counseled with some friends. He said, unless I'm convinced by the testimony of the Holy Scriptures, Scriptures, or by evident reason, for I cannot believe, for I can believe neither the Pope nor councils alone, um, as it is clear that they have erred repeatedly and contradicted themselves. See, he's getting a little more antagonistic against the church here. Um, I consider myself convicted by the testimony of Holy Scripture, which is my basis, my conscience is captive to the Word of God. Thus, I cannot and will not recant, because acting against one's conscience is neither safe nor sound. Here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God, amen. Okay, this was Martin Luther's just final act of, if you will, defiance. The, this council did find him right, called, uh, convicted him of being a heretic, and he was excommunicated at that time, and which means, in a way, there's open season against this guy. The church probably would have wanted him. As he was riding back to his uh, Wittenberg, his home, he was kidnapped by friendlies, and they took him off to a, another castle somewhere, and he lived in, lived in seclusion many, many years after that and was protected by these guys. Um, so he, he never was killed. He lived to a ripe old age. And he married and had kids. Um, <clears throat> okay, some of the other leaders of the, the Reformation, Zwingli, Calvin, Knox, Tyndale, and others, uh, they expanded on his original statements. And um, what came out of this are what's called the five solas. Sola is just Latin for alone. This alone. Nate, next one. Five solas of the Reformation. Um, I don't know why. I think theologians, they like to put things in Latin because they feel like it's holier or something. But it's in Latin. Uh, there's five solas that they kind of hammered out and they said, this represents what we believe to be truth. And they, it stands firmly separated from what the teachings of the Catholic Church were. Sola Scriptura, is the, that's the foundation. It's the Scripture only. It's not this three-legged stool thing. It's just Scripture. If the church teaches something different, then the church is wrong. Um, and 2 Timothy 3.16 says, uh, All Scripture, you know this one, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate. Okay, ESV says complete. It says, this is what you need. You need scripture to be complete, um, equipped for every good work. So this is the foundation. It led to a number of things. One of them was uh, just a flurry of translations of the Bible from, actually rather than Latin, Greek was the original, 
from Greek into English, into French, French into Spain, Spanish, <laughs> and um, uh, German. Martin Luther translated the Bible into German. Um, he felt that was so important. And so, yeah, there. Not only the Bible was translated into the language of the people, sermons began showing up because the, the church didn't really have sermons so much in, in the, the language of the people. Um, but sermons in the language of the people were spoken. Um, in the United States, the public school system was set up, it was demanded by the founding fathers because they wanted citizens to be able to read the Bible. That was the reason we have a public school system today. We've come a long ways. Um, um, you know, throughout, throughout Christian history, whenever truth was restored, the Bible was always at the center. This is what, when we get to the modern church, this is what we're forgetting. Um, some of the other ones, sola fide is faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone. We are saved by grace, by grace through faith in Christ. Those are alone. It's nothing added to it. Uh, it's not earned. Um, you know, what came out of the Reformation was faith yields justification followed by good works. Faith is, leads to justification, faith alone. Uh, that contrasted with the Roman Catholic formula, which faith plus good works yield justification. So, uh, the fourth one, Christ alone, again. We are saved by Christ alone, period. Um, there's no other way. We're starting to hear things where even known evangelists, uh, known church leaders are starting to imply that, well, if, if you're sincere, you, know, you can make it. The Pope has said this. Uh, current pope, you know, that if you're sincere, if you, you're not a bad person, if you're kind of spiritual, you can make it. Um, it's not what the Bible teaches. We're saved through Christ alone. Um, the last one, th that deserves a whole sermon, I think, but it, soli deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. Um, 1 Corinthians 10.31. Look that up. That's it's worth just taking a second. This followed a, a chapter where they're talking about eating meat offered to idols and what do you do, what do you do. Um, and Paul ends with this, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What we do is to, to be to the glory of God. The um, catechisms, the Westminster Catechism and other ones, you know what the number one question was, the first one that people learn? What's the chief end of man? What's the chief purpose of man? It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So somehow we've missed this glorifying God part. And so it's another sermon. <clears throat> okay, what happened? Okay. One, one motto that came out of the Reformation is Scripture over tradition, 
faith over works and grace over merit. Remember, merit were the rewards from doing good works. Um, Okay, now the church after the Reformation. What did that look like? Okay, first of all, the power of the church and the pope was kind of broken. Europe split, and it's pretty much the northern part of Europe followed Luther and the Reformation. The southern part, Italy, Spain, and France, remained Catholic. And so Europe split. Um, <clears throat> the Bible was translated into all these other languages, and the church services were conducted in the language of the people. Um, the church was broken into many smaller denominations. Sometimes you wonder, well, man, how come we have Baptists and we have Presbyterians and we have Methodists and we have all these? Well, part of it was there was just the spirit of there's individual freedom to study the Bible, personal conscience over church and denomination. If Roger and I differed on something, instead of shouting about it or getting in a fight, we just kind of went off to separate churches. But not all those churches were good. Um, again, individual freedom to study the Bible and personal conscience over church and denominations. We'll talk more about this. But um, we visited a while back on a vacation. Um, we were in Pennsylvania area and went to some of the Amish settlements. And reading about the Amish, you know, you, you kind of view them as these noble, uh, pure way of, of, you know, pure Christians. Well, in their teachings, one of them is that they discourage individual Bible study. You have a committee of the, the, that interpret the Ortung, the list of rules that they have, and you're encouraged. They will tell you what you need to know. You're not encouraged to study the Bible on your own. If you ever hear anybody say that, they're wrong, okay? I... Um, one other thing that came out of the Reformation was congregational singing. Prior to that, you had choirs of monks and, and choir boys and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden, congregational singing began in the language of the people. Because of the printing press, they could print hymnals. And uh, Luther is quoted as saying, Next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. We're going to close in a song that he wrote. You can almost tell it's in German because the word, it's kind of, kind of um, abrupt wording. It's not real smooth, but it's, it's German. Um, okay, the church today. Nate? Okay, one of the questions is what's happened in the church today? And, and when I say church, I just mean, let's say evangelical type Christian churches. What's happened? Um, are there indulgences? I use that in quotes because these are just errors that have crept in. What's in our church today that shouldn't be there? Um, and I just listed some. I'm sure I didn't list them all. There's more. But um, it's worth just taking a look at. You know, There's heresy. Heresy can be blatant error, and sometimes heresy can just be truth out of balance. You get something that's not wrong, but you elevate it so much that it displaces something else. That's, that's heresy. Okay, let's look at these. Unity over doctrine. Uh, sometimes, can't we all just get along? Doctrine's not so important. Just Doctrine divides. Let's quit doing that. Um, 
If you look at 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. These are YouTube guys that you just kind of collect because you you like what they say. They don't make you feel guilty. Um, And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So this this conscious departure from doctrine, that's real. Um, Embracing our postmodern culture. Again, this is this desire to be inclusive. You drop what's important just so that we can all get along. Churches do this. Um, Multiple ways to heaven, whatever works for you. Um, There have been some evangelical leaders that towards the end of their careers have come out and said things along these lines, and they're wrong. It's not what the Bible says. There's a prosperity gospel. You know, you, God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be rich. Um, heard one guy say that what you do is you tithe on what you'd like to make. Um, you know, where's that? Where's that in the Bible? Um, there's gender roles. Uh, we're having trouble with you know just gender identity now. Um, homosexuality, the LGBT community is. This may be where we're going to see a lot of direct attacks on the church. Um, and the last one, there's a focus on entertainment so much in churches that for the music, for the preaching style, you get some very uh, flamboyant characters that will preach and people will come and listen to them. Um, these things are creeping into the church today. You know, it's been said that Islam, Islam needs a reformation. Because, oh, their guys are way off track. Well, the truth is, reformations bring you back to the book. And generally, the, some of the more radical Islamists are closest to the book. The moderates have been drifting away. So um, I, don't think they, I don't think we want a, rev, uh, a true reformation in Islam. Okay, okay, so what? What do we do? Nate, one more. The last one, yeah. <clears throat> Truth begins with Scripture. What I want to do is just this. Um, I love being in this church because, you know, Dan welcomes criticism. He welcomes somebody challenging him and saying, doesn't the Bible say this? Um, Truth begins with Scripture, not YouTube preachers. You know, one thing that's happened with this COVID stuff and people staying home and they've gotten addicted to staying home and watching live streams. You know, I understand if, you know, if there's an illness or something else, that's good. But um, when Barb and I had to stay home for a couple of weeks, yeah, he laying back in the recliner and, and sipping coffee and, and uh, pausing it and then going somewhere and coming back, so it gets comfortable. Um, Again, that quote I did earlier, throughout church history, wherever truth is restored, the Bible was always at the center. Um, Acts 17.11 encourages you to kind of challenge leadership. Acts 17.11 says, 
about the Bereans. This was a town, Berea, that Paul visited. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, that's good, and examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Um, There's a phrase or question I want you to learn. It's called, what does the Bible say? Go ahead and repeat it. What does the Bible say? It's, it's important, you know, because somebody will come to you and say, well, wait, wait, what, what does the Bible say about these kind of video games going on? Well, you start with what does the Bible say? Are there principles involved? And um, when somebody's questioning, well, what about this? What about that? Um, what does the Bible say? And often, I like Dan's one is, okay, chapter and verse. Where do you see that? Chapter and verse. And you go, well, I don't know the Bible very well. You want to know a secret? The secret word I use for doing a lot of Bible study, it's called Google. If there's a, you just have a fuzzy picture in your head of what some verse is. You're not sure. You can't quite find it. How do you? Google it. You have to be careful because you're going to get some LDS things and other stuff coming in. But that will get you to Scripture. You can find the spot right there. Um, okay, this last one, next to last one. Um, <laughs> I'll just have to read it to you. There we go. The man who doesn't, read, who doesn't read good books has no advantage over the man who can't read them. If you apply it to the Bible... Um, you might as well not have it in English. You might as well not be able to read if you're not reading it. You know, have some kind of plan and read Scripture. I mean, take small chunks and just, just read it. You don't have to cover the Bible in a year and do any, you know, these ambitious things. Just read it. Sit down and read a short book in there. And last of all, church attendance, spiritual fellowship is so important. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as, the, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, you know, as you're discussing Scripture with fellowship, um, it pays to, to kind of go to a trusted friend and say, you know, I'm struggling with this. What does this mean? I don't get it. And just talk it out. and Take it to somebody else if you need to. But the church today needs scripture. Remember the, just the, the one takeaway I want you to have. What does the Bible say? Period. Actually, question mark. Um, so let's pray. Lord, I, I just, I thank you for your word, and I know that every one of us is guilty of not treasuring it and, and uh, relying on it the way we should. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you would allow us to, to filter stuff we hear on the internet, stuff we hear on the radio, stuff we hear among uh, friends and acquaintances and family. Lord, filter that by, through your word, Lord, and be able to discern truth from, from error. Lord, I pray that you would make us lovers of truth. We ask all of these things, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen.